everyone. Welcome back to Us in Our Cities. Today we have a special guest with us. I'll let him introduce himself, but I am Barbara. I am the resident astrologer for this podcast. I live out in Brooklyn, New York. I guess, yeah, I'm the most random person you will meet. Hey, I'm Olivia. I'm coming from Quebec City, Canada. I'm a hairdresser and many other things. And I am very excited about our our first guest that we're having on the podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Danny, and I am an actor and guitar teacher from sunny Los Angeles of sunny California. I think we should talk about how we met because, Danny, you actually are the reason that this podcast exists. Yeah. We can bring everything back to you. Yeah. Well, so I, I, uh, I met Olivia on Clubhouse and then I started this room called Deeply Personal Questions, which was a place, well, I don't know. I was having fun on Clubhouse and I was talking to a lot of people in like comedy rooms and having good laughs and stuff. But I was like, I want to like, I don't know, I want to do some self-therapy. And so I started this room where the goal was to like ask people like, very personal questions about themselves and be vulnerable and Olivia and Barbara both showed up in the first room and after that I was like yeah let's do this more often and they became co-moderators with me along with Antonia Mm -hmm. yeah and I just couldn't believe how consistent we were it was quite spontaneous we kind of set the rules the first night we did the room which ended up going for five hours I think oh man and you were like oh I would like to keep doing this but five hours at a time is not you know sustainable yeah yeah. Jessica was there too and she helped uh, set she kind of challenged you actually. It was really cool to um, to set the guidelines and the rules and how to create a safe space for people to share and be vulnerable. And we had a lot of discussions about the fact that we're not therapists. We are tackling these really deep subjects. How do we, how do, we do that? And it's, it's been a really interesting ride. It's been months and months now. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was really cool the way it started. And with Jessica, um, like she and I, she and I butted heads a little bit right at the very beginning because the way I envisioned the room going was just like very piercing, very personal. And like, I'm not Mr. I'm not Mr. Bright and Sunny when it comes to that room, because like, I, I I think I'm Mr. Bright and Sunny in most aspects of my life. But when it comes to that, I just thought like, I think we'll get the most interesting stuff out of people and for ourselves out of the room if we just really go in on stuff. But like Jessica was having a really personal share and it was hard for her. And when people were like reaching out to give her affirmations, I was like, eh, let's not do that, guys. Come on. Hold on. Let's like, let's like just let her experience these emotions. Um, And she's like, actually, it'd be great if people could affirm me right now because this is really hard. And so um having the difference of opinions I was like hey guess what I don't know everything and I don't know what's going to make this room work best for everybody who's in it so it was cool to have sort of like conflicting opinions sort of like a red team and a blue team working towards the same goal yeah I think what works best is the we don't give advice in this room and oh yeah questions like that rule is brilliant um and it just really gets people to get thinking about the, the, the their beliefs, 
their long held, you know, phobias or whatever it is. Like, it's really interesting. Just last night we had a room and I think like one lady in particular, she, it kind of was an aha moment for her. At least I'm hoping it was. So yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I don't know who came up with that rule because I joined a bit later. Who was that you, Danny? I don't know. I don't know. But like the important thing for me is that if you're not sharing the way we do the room is like one person gets spotlighted and they get to share about their own personal experience. And the important thing for me is that if you're not that person sharing, you don't make the room about yourself. You know, you don't ask a question by being like, so do you think that's similar to what I'm going through? It's like, that's, that's, that's not helping the person who's sharing. And I thought that when I was hearing people try to give advice, it was leaning into that. Like, I'm sort of making this about myself. But also, advice is not, <laughs> advice is not usually as helpful as we want it to be. Like, a lot of people don't want advice. A lot of people want to figure things out on their own. Um, and that's perfectly reasonable. Sometimes people do really want advice. Uh, but, you know, we're a stubborn species. Yeah, no. Yeah, there's a freedom in that room to share because you know someone's not going to jump on you and say, oh, you know what you should do? I read this book and this, it changed my life. And then they go into their story and you kind of end and you're like, oh, thanks for that. Yeah, I'll not right. read that book, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. But it's really taught me about listening more and not listening to share <laughs> because as a hairdresser, um, something that I'm trying to do is is gain rapport with people. So I do want to listen to their story and respond with a, another story maybe. So I'm like, we're the same. See, look, we we're connecting. Um, but the deeply personal questions room is completely different. It's helping yeah. someone open up. And if I am really curious about something or I want to maybe see myself in that person, it's finding a question that will help get there. You know, and maybe I do kind of have my own intention of saying, oh, if I was like that, this is how I would. Anyway, I'll try and, and ask a question and I'll just quietly in my own space, like have my own reflection of how I would respond to that question. But it doesn't need to be shared with the room and take space. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, like I feel like in everyday conversation sometimes or, you know, actually more often when I'm like on a date or something, I have to like push myself to be like, Hey, share stuff about yourself too. You know? Cause like when I, the summer after I graduated from high school, I sold Cutco knives with vector marketing and something that they taught us was that like, if you want people to like you just listen to them and show interest, you know, and like ask them questions and get them talking about themselves. Because if somebody can talk about themselves and talk about themselves and talk about themselves, and you seem like you are on board to just hear everything they have to say, like that is a good way to ingratiate yourself with somebody. But whenever I'm on a date, sometimes I get into that where it's like, I'll ask them questions and I'll ask them questions. And then I'll realize like, I know a lot about this person and they know nothing about me. And that's not, that's not ideal. Do you find that they're not asking you questions because they're just that into themselves like you're you're dating narcissists or <laughs> is it a thing of like they're just like so into you and like yeah they want to share they want to open up and it's easy to open up to you you're friendly like what is it yeah i don't know it might be it might be a mix you know sometimes it might be someone who's like finally someone's ready to hear the story of me um but 
it also, it might be me. It might be that like, I'm setting this precedent of like, I'm going to ask you another question. I'm going to ask you another question. And so like, I think it definitely is on my, it's my responsibility for me to hear something that they say and be like, oh yeah, you know, I did this and that, which is similar to just like inject my own information. Does it make you uncomfortable to share with like people on a first date or? No, no, I don't think so. Not really. I feel like I haven't gone on a first date in a little while because I got kind of fed up with Hinge, which was the dating app I was using. Um, And before I stopped using it, though, I was like going on a number of first dates where it's like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. So you're a recovering alcoholic. Like, here's all the trauma from my family. And then after the first date, it's like, well, we, uh, yeah, we got pretty well acquainted, didn't we? And then sometimes I think that that was like almost a little in intimidating or like where do we go from here you know mm-hmm. <laughs> is that an LA thing though the kind of oversharing yeah it is an LA <laughs> thing it's been written about there's this uh book about screenwriting called story by Robert McKee and he says like if you have two characters sit down they can't just immediately tell each other everything about themselves because that's unrealistic conversations like that only happen in Los Angeles and uh the thing that he says about that is like people always have things that they're hiding too so that like if you sit down with somebody for your first conversation with them and they reveal all this stuff about their history and trauma from their childhood like you don't want to know what like they're keeping from you you know Mm, that's a great point I didn't think about that yeah it's pretty incredible the intimate things I have shared in clubhouse (laughs) you know I feel like I talk for a living I don't talk the way that I I have in Clubhouse in the last couple of months and yeah it's really interesting there's something really safe about telling a group of strangers all of your business it just feels like I don't know any of you guys don't care here's the shit I got into and yeah thanks Thanks for listening. Yeah, it's wild. Why do you guys think, why do you guys think it's so much easier to share stuff with people who you might not ever encounter again, or at least might not ever like see in real life? I guess because they don't, not that they don't matter, but they don't matter to you. And they don't have any sort of like impact on your life. Even if they are judging you, that judgment is like so far removed from you and your identity because like they don't really know you. They just know these bits and pieces. It's just easier to share when you feel like, okay, they're not going to judge me. They don't know backstory. They don't know, you know, where I'm coming from. It's easier to feel understood, probably, especially if you did something that like you're in the wrong for. It's easier to feel understood by a group of strangers than it is by a group of people who know you and are like, you're better than that. Why did you do that? It's like, oh, don't need that. Maybe, you know, really utilitarian, really naive point of view. But let's say like all the stuff that you would feel more comfortable sharing with strangers. If you share that with people that you are actually close to and people that matter with you in your life, like, I feel like there's two possibilities, right? One, they're down with whatever you're saying or they're not, right? And I feel like if they're down with whatever you're saying, then that'll form a stronger bond between the two of you. And that's awesome. And if they're not, then maybe it helps you see like, the ways in which you guys aren't like compatible and realize like, well, maybe, maybe this person isn't the person I should be as close with as I am. No, that that's facts. And I agree completely with that for sure. Like nothing, 
I think, yeah, there's nothing more raw than opening up to somebody that is important to you and yeah. then getting some feedback where it's like, yikes. So that's how you see me. Like actually getting to, to view that in real time, it's like, yeah. It can make or break a relationship for sure. Yeah. I found it really interesting meeting you guys and we're about the same age. Like Danny and I, I think we were a month apart, if that. Yeah. I feel like in my real life, I don't see people that are the same age and have, I don't know, the same experiences as me. But what I find interesting meeting with you guys is I do have a different life. Like I'm a mother. I became a mother at um, a young age and I'm from a different country and things like that. But I do share a lot of the same, even maturity level in some ways of you guys. <laughs> and it's it's just interesting to mesh myself in with a group like that. And uh, yeah, so that's just been fascinating for me personally, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I feel like the life that I have in LA I hang out with a lot of people who are around my age, but it skews a little bit older. And currently I'm actually visiting my family in Northern California. And pretty much pretty much anybody I encounter around here is going to be older and closer to my parents' age, you know? And it's definitely, it's definitely a different lifestyle, a different way of socializing when I'm hanging out with a different sort of like social sphere. You know, I wonder if the fact that we're all Sagittarius has to do with it, like if that matters. I wonder, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, Barbara and I were up late last night with a couple of people and we were on this app. What is it? Patterns, the pattern. The pattern and app. we're all like just putting our um, details in there and it puts compatibility and everything. And yeah, we were a bunch of Sagas with them um, with Pisces. It was interesting. Anyway, all right, off track. So, <laughs> so I wasn't going to ask you about this, but something, Danny, you said that was really interesting. You taught me something about parasocial relationships. So yeah. you had a, can we, is that rude to say you had like a 15 minutes of fame? You're on a reality TV yeah. show and you had a spike of fame, a taste of yeah. fame. And what happened with that? Um, well, I was on this reality TV show and for a little while, walking around LA sometimes, people would just see me and be like, oh my God, Danny, you know, they saw me on that reality show. They liked it. And I was like, cool, this is awesome. And I was actually just hanging out with a friend recently and she was like, hey, do you mind if I ask you, have you been recognized at all recently? And I was like, no, I have not. It's like, it's, it's about two years out now from when the reality show happened and I don't get recognized anymore. You know, I still like get people who will follow me on social media. I actually am on Cameo, which is where you can like pay celebrities to make videos for you. And I just got a Cameo the other day. And so like, they still trickle in sometimes, but yeah, parasocial relationships if it, for anybody who don't who do, for anybody who doesn't know a parasocial relationship is where you feel like you know someone because you have experienced their personality in popular media right so like an example that i would use is like i really like counting crows i think that their music is awesome and i love the lyrics and so adam duritz is the lead singer of the counting crows who writes all of them lyrics and listening to his songs i'm like 
I get it, man. I get it, man. Just hold on, you know? And I saw him once in New York City on the street and I wanted to give him a hug and just tell him everything would be okay. But like, I don't know him and he certainly doesn't know me. And that would have been really weird and inappropriate. I was actually just listening to a podcast yesterday um, where this woman was the guest and she is a, a Twitch streamer and she had an experience where someone who followed her Twitch stream and her lifestyle channel on YouTube broke into her house that she shared with her and her partner and they went and hid in a closet while that person was there and she also like has an only fans so people were like do you think you're going to stop doing your only fans after something like this happens and she found out that the person who broke into her house was someone who followed her youtube channel it wasn't someone who was like looking at her only fans it was someone who just felt like they knew her and had an actual social relationship with her you know so like parasocial relationships have sort of always like been in the fabric of our society like going back to roman days people would be like oh yeah caesar's our guy you know we love caesar love hearing about the battles he wins cool but it's certainly a thing now you know strange so the stalking of it that's part of it oh my lord yeah that hasn't happened to me so much but I had someone who found like my phone number and or my email or both and has been like attempting to FaceTime me. It doesn't happen very often, but this one dude, this one dude every once in a while will try to FaceTime me. And when you see a FaceTime from a number that you don't know, <laughs> that's that's concerning. Creepy. Yeah. But what would happen, like people would really relate to you and then they would message you on Instagram and be like, we should be friends. Like we're the same person. And what does that feel like? Interesting. Yeah. You know, like that's, that is something that I've gotten sometimes where people like watch the show I was on and they're like, oh my gosh, I know that we would get along so well in real life. And I understand that impulse. I actually am listening to a podcast right now called uh, Not Another D&D Podcast where people play Dungeons and Dragons. And there's this one woman who's like from College Humor named Emily Axford. And I'm just like, I really want to hang out with Emily Axford. But like, at the same time, do I know that we would get along? No, not really. And I feel like whenever I get messages like that, it's like, oh, you're confident. Like, you're confident in that. But you, we actually haven't met. And for all either of us know, we could meet and just be like, ah, mm, cool, good, yeah, no, not not really, you know? Um, and also it's like, I don't have anything to go off of, you know? Yeah. You can, you can feel like you know for sure because you've seen me on this reality TV show, which isn't 100% who I really am. Um, but I don't know anything about you or know like why why like I would get along with you or why I would want to hang out with you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, I don't really like respond to DMs or anything like that. Just because like, I only am primarily interested in spending time with people who I meet in real life. People who I get to know through friends, you know? Yeah. We may meet in real life one day. We absolutely <laughs> I wonder what it'll be like. <laughs> I wonder if it'll be the same. Like that's something that I want to test out. I, I think um, we may meet in New York at some point this fall. And that'll oh. be really interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and Tony is coming to New York in October. So is Olivia trying to make that happen where we can do like a quick lunch or something? We'll see. I was in New York for less than 24 hours over the summer and I wanted to meet up with you, but like I had to like crash and then go to the bus station. I know, I know. I got your message. I was bummed, but I was like, oh, it'll happen eventually. Cause I see you and Antonia hanging out all the time. I'm like, okay, I see how it is. Just like getting buddy, buddy, leaving us all out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Antonia is not here. Is there anything interesting that about Antonia that you can tell us about meeting her in real life? Was there anything that surprised you compared to, you know, relationship on Clubhouse? Um, What were you gonna say, Barbara? I said, good question. Yeah. <laughs> Antonia is super cool. So I have some friends. Antonia is lesbian. I have some friends who are also lesbian who want to meet more lesbian people in LA because one of them, one of them just moved to LA and another one uh, has been in LA for a while, but she just hasn't like really plugged into that community. And I was talking to Antonia about that. And she's like, well, I'm going to a housewarming party where there's going to be a lot of cool queer folks. You should come and you should bring your friends. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. That sounds fantastic. I will. And I brought them along and we all had a really good time. And Antonia was super welcoming and introduced us to the people who were actually hosting the party. Um, And it was really neat and really sweet and very like, cool of her to bring us there and get us plugged in um she's dating a really cool woman who lives in orange county um yeah nothing but good things to say about antonia she's rad nice okay i look forward to meeting her whenever i hang out with her i was like when is she gonna realize that she's too cool to hang out with me oh please i don't think i don't think you know how cool you are like i don't think you know like I'm fine. I'm all right. Rooms and every time I'm in the room, I'm like, where is Danny? <laughs> every time I'm like, where is Danny? It's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> I don't think you know the effect you have. We do miss you. And you do have a, a commanding presence. And it's really nice. It's like, it just, it creates the space. And yeah, even if you're not there, though, your your spirit lives on in the room. <laughs> That's the word. It's a commanding presence, but it's not like overpowering or like sleazy or like, you know, it's just like a good, you have good vibes. I went to a Catholic high school called Bellarmine in San Jose and it's all boys. So they're, they're saying for the people, for their students is that they want everybody to grow to be men for others. Right. And there was all sorts of stuff where it's like, Hey, you guys are getting a good education right? We are giving you a good education. This is a private school. And like, we want to make sure that you use that education in a way that's good for society, right? And so they had all sorts of like, special leadership retreats baked into uh, the baked into the experience of going to this high school. And they definitely taught the model of leadership where it's like, you lead by following, you know, like you don't lead by taking your will and imposing it on everybody around you. You lead by listening to what everybody else needs and recognizing that you don't always have the best ideas and like 
giving platforms for the best ideas to like come forward and bring everybody more success, you know, like, like, yeah, I don't know. Right now I have just started working with my family's winery and I definitely have some things that I think we can do to improve, but whenever there's a decision that needs to be made, I don't need to make that decision for everybody else. I want everybody else to make their arguments and I want to make sure that we all come to the right decision together, you know? And so I am usually like indifferent to a lot of things. And I think that that's an important thing for a leader. Like, I think that a leader has to want to see everybody do well. Sorry about that. Got a little blue. Um, I think that a leader has to want to see the team do well, but I don't think that the leader should have too much invested in like the implementation. Like, I don't think the leader should say, hey, this is my idea and it's the right idea. So it's the one we have to go with. I think that a leader should say like, okay, what does everybody think we should do? What sounds like the best idea out of that and take the ego out of it, you know? I love it. If I could like, if we can do a sound effect of clapping at this moment, I'd love to have that. <laughs> Just saying, editor, please. <laughs> I know that was beautiful. Is this Brene Brown's uh, Unlocking Us or Us in Our Cities? <laughs> oh, I love Brene Brown. I love her so much. Yeah. She rules. Yeah. All right. So let's get on to the episode. Episode eight Three's a Crowd. At the start of the episode, we learn about Charlotte's new relationship. Charlotte locked eyes with Jack at a fancy party and now they're in love. He's an architect and a philanthropist. I had to practice that word, philanthropist, who apparently has a fantasy to have a threesome with Charlotte. So the girls discuss threesomes. Samantha says the best way to do a threesome is to be the guest star. You have all the fun without worrying about what it will do to your relationship. Charlotte says this is because Samantha doesn't do relationships. And Samantha says this is why she has great sex. And Charlotte seems to always do relationship. Carrie's never tried a threesome. And Miranda says she thinks she did one one time in college. Samantha suggests to make sure the other person isn't a friend. Choose somebody random, she says. Somebody you meet in a bar or something. No, says Charlotte. I think I'd feel safer with a friend. Like Carrie. Though Carrie is flattered, she says, why not go with someone with more experience? Like Sam. Sam approves the idea of having a threesome with Charlotte. And this starts off Miranda's complex for the rest of the episode about feeling unattractive. Poor Miranda. <laughs> Danny, actually, I think you're one of the people that I've spoken the most about threesomes in my whole life with. So, Any so comments? Miranda was the one person who wasn't like seen as an option for the threesome. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> oh man, that sucks. Um, that's interesting, the perspectives that they have on it. I have uh, been in a handful of threesomes, but I've always been um, like a member of the couple. It's always been like a couple and a guest star, I guess you could say. And I was always in the couple and it was primarily within the same relationship. And, you know, this is a very like, this is a very interesting conversation because it sounds like their set of assumptions are like very heterosexual, you know? It sounds very much like, okay, 
obviously it's going to be one guy and two women and the two women are going to want to sleep with the one guy so i guess we just take turns at that um which i don't know you know maybe there's a little bit more involved here that i'm not reading into like maybe like i think it sounds wild i think it sounds wild for a straight woman to say to her best friend or one of her like three best friends, like, hey, let's go, let's go have sex with this guy who I want to be in a relationship with in the same room. Like that seems very risky, you know? That seems very dicey. And maybe it could be totally chill, but like I think it requires a lot more conversation than just like one sit down to be like, this guy wants to have a threesome. Will one of y'all do it? Whenever, whenever, uh, I had threesomes in the past, like a few of them happened in college. And it was usually my girlfriend and I, who are both bisexual, seeing people we were friends with, though not like the closest friends with, and saying, hey, we both think you're really cool and attractive. And it was usually me. I was the one who had like the the guts to go up to someone and be like, hey, and I would say it almost exactly like this. Hey, we both think you're very attractive and we're curious to know whether you'd be interested in having a threesome with us. Balls in your court, catch you later, let us know, no pressure, you know, see you, see you around. Very um, direct. I love it. Huh? Very direct. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that, I think that with something like a threesome where there's so much, like, there's so much intrigue and maybe even like, taboo around it like the only way it's going to happen is if somebody says hey this is something that can happen so now that's on the table you know we can discuss it the way not to make a the way not to make group sex happen oh my goodness I was I was hanging out with some people in Los Angeles and this couple that I knew went to I went to a concert with them they brought along a friend and they were like, hey, Danny, you should hang out with this girl. We ended up like making out at the concert for the entire time. And afterwards, we went out to a bar. And the guy in this couple, let's call him Donnie, Donnie and Danny. His name's not actually Donnie, but Donnie uh, and Elise. Donnie and Elise were like, hey, uh, what do you guys feel like getting into for the rest of this evening? Do you want to? go have a foursome and I was like huh I could I could be interested in that meanwhile friend of Donnie and Elise let's call her Cheryl I'm picking the most appropriate names for this situation like I don't know if I've ever met a Donnie or a Cheryl before but anyways um Cheryl didn't want to and Donnie gets into this mode of like, okay, so we're leaving. We're going back. Are you guys coming with us? Like, are we doing this? Like, let's, let's go. So if this is happening, let's go. Cause we're leaving right now and started getting like so uncomfortably coercive and Cheryl, while she didn't want to do it, didn't want to outright say, Hey, Donnie, I actually am not interested in having sex with you in the room. You know, <laughs> I am not turned on by that idea whatsoever, you know? So she's like, She's like, uh, I don't know, maybe. And like her level of comfort was like, she maybe wanted to go home with me. She might've even been agreeable to like doing something with me and Cheryl, 
me and Elise, I'm getting mixed up in my head, but she didn't want to do anything with Donnie, right? But he wasn't giving her a lot of opportunity or a lot of like comfortable space to say, actually, that's not what I'm ready for, you know? He wasn't and, like, in the room. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was absolutely trying to like close the sale, you know? And that is not something you should ever do with regards to sex, you know? And I know that men are sort of socialized to feel like their masculinity is tied into sex. And I know that I have also fallen into the trap of being like, hey, so are we doing this? Are we doing this? I, you know? And that's not ideal. That's really not cool. Um, because like when it comes to sex, everybody needs to feel comfortable. Everybody needs to feel like it's their idea. Um, and so using any sort of like salesperson-y tactics is, is really shitty. Because it definitely felt like, again, when I was selling these Cutco knives, they would say, you make the sale there. If they ever say, ah, give me some time to think about it, you're not making the sale, right? And while that may be true for trying to sell people knives, like people need time to think about what they're comfortable doing sexually, right? Because it's different stakes. If you sell something to somebody and they're like, oh man, I feel bad that I bought this. It's different than like you have sex with somebody. Oh man, I wish I didn't have sex with them. Well, guess what? That's sexual assault, you know? And that's a freaking crime. So anyways. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was <laughs> Yeah, I went, I went off for a while. No, but how was the threesome? <laughs> um, the first threesome I ever had was probably the best one. And then they got incrementally less good from there. What happened? Well, the first one, my girlfriend and I were on Molly and we invited. That was it. It was the Molly. Yeah, yeah I was definitely part of it. But we also invited someone who was really cool. Uh, and we all had a good time. The second one, we invited someone who was also cool, but also like didn't seem to be super comfortable communicating once we were in the moment. Like she was down to be there. But then it was like, hey, so what are you, what do you want to happen right now? Like what, what's feeling good? That was like uncomfortable for her to talk about and express. And so like we had fine consensual sex, but like, I think that open communication about what's working for you always leads to better sex. I just sort of sat there wondering, like, I don't know if anyone's having a good time, um, and then the last one in college was fun in the moment, but was a bad situation because it was somebody that I kind of had a crush on. Um, and so like it caused conflict within the relationship. And then there were a couple after college that were both with men who weren't super into doing things with another guy. And that, that wasn't as much fun for me. You know, I think that, I think that the best coolest threesomes are ones where everybody who's involved is into doing things with everybody else who's involved, you know, yeah. like, which is why this menage a trois, you know, situation that's being described in the Sex and the City episode doesn't sound particularly exciting to me. There was actually somebody in LA who 
I dated for a little while who had expressed to a friend of mine that she was interested in having a threesome. And I talked to her about it and she's like, oh, I just want to have a threesome where two guys are pleasing me. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want the other participants in the threesome to have anything going on with each other. And I was like, well, that sounds like a lot of fun for you, <laughs> but like that, not, not necessarily the kind of threesome that I want to be in. Yeah, that sounds like a paid situation. Like I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. You can get that experience. All right, moving on. So Charlotte is seriously considering the idea of a threesome with Jack. And she has a very sexy dream about it. She discusses with Carrie on a walk, and Carrie brings up a good point. Do you think it's funny that you're thinking about sleeping with someone you don't know to get closer to Jack? And Charlotte shoots back another good point. How well do we really know that the people that we're sleeping with? And that certainly got Carrie wondering. Uh, so Carrie decides to bring up threesomes later with Big. And of course he's tried it, he says, with his ex-wife. What? <laughs> ex-wife? This is news to us and this is news to Carrie. Mm. Cut to Carrie casually booking an appointment with Big's ex-wife, who happens to be a publisher. So Carrie does what she says any good writer would do and she pulls an idea out of her ass and pitches it to Barbara. So Barbara is actually into Carrie's crazy idea about little Kathy and her magic cigarettes. And we hear Carrie say, it was the last straw. She was smart, beautiful, and she got me. I'll have to kill her. So I just wanted to bring up, I feel like this is a flaw with Carrie's character because she is always putting herself in a position to compare herself with other people, especially women. Yep. Mm. That is a flaw. That is a character flaw of hers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you do this? Do you do that, Barbara? I used to do it a lot more than I do now. I think it's something <laughs> you guys go because now I don't have food in my mouth. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I I sometimes compare my body to other guys like and sometimes it's a, it's in a way that feels okay to me like there's this one dude who I see post shirtless pictures on Instagram and I look at him and I say you know I think that we have comparable physiques I think that I'm in this neighborhood and I think he looks good and he obviously feels good enough to be sharing pictures of himself. And that, that feels nice. But then other times I look at guys who are just super jacked and I'm like, wish I looked like that. But when it comes to dating and stuff, I try not to compare myself to other guys. And I like to think about it as being like, I, I am a particular product, you know? Like I have things that I have going for me and there's a particular customer who wants to buy this product, you know, like there are, there's, there's a target demographic of people who would be interested in me romantically. And so if I look at another guy who's got things going on for him, I don't have to be in competition with that guy, you know, like, yeah, maybe Pepsi and Coca-Cola are in competition with one another, but Coca-Cola is not in competition with Sprite. The people who drink Sprite are different people than the people who drink Coca-Cola. That's a great way to look at it, Danny. That's exactly right. I mean, right. I used to do that thing where I compared myself to people, but then I think as I'm getting older and more and more these days within the last year, 
I don't know if it's the pandemic. I don't know if I'm maturing. I don't know if I'm like raising my consciousness. I couldn't tell you, but I definitely have stopped doing that less and less. I think it's because I value myself a bit more than I used to. And I'm like, yeah, like that person's awesome. And like, I see all of the great ways in which they're so awesome, but I too am awesome. And these yeah. are the great things that I have to offer. So yeah, I'm doing that less and less. So yeah. I think that that comes with self-confidence. Absolutely. I mean, when I was a 16 year old in high school and I'd never been in a relationship, I felt down on myself and I was like, I suck. Everyone else is better. No one will ever love me. But you get a little bit of experience under your belt of like, oh, wow, like people can be attracted to me. People can like me. People can love me. You start to realize like, it's not a problem with me. It's just it's just finding the right person who wants what I have, you know? Exactly. What about you, Olivia? I hate being compared. I My mother used to do that actually with my friends and she'd say, oh, I she'd just compare me to my friends, to cousins. And I felt allergic to it because I just thought you can't compare me to anybody. I've, I've always felt really unique, I think, my unique experience. And then as an adult, I've lived in different countries and I feel like people go, oh, you're Australian. It's so sunny in Australia. And they, it's like they're putting something on me and I'm like, ah, oh, you don't, you don't really know <laughs> who I am or I, yeah, I don't like being assumed. I don't like being compared to anybody. And so I don't think I do that to other people. I don't know. Maybe I do though. It is part of the human condition. Maybe you don't do well. it to yourself then. Yeah. I don't think I compare myself to other people. Maybe like my work, maybe as a hairdresser, as an artist, I might mm -hmm. go, Oh, like, yeah, but not in, I don't know. I really, I really think it's important to celebrate people's skills and talents and uniqueness. And I love that. And I, I know I'm not really competitive. Um, I like competitive people, but I find it kind of amusing as well. <laughs> like, like what I we were talking about last time, Barbara, how like I like winding competitive people up and I'll pretend to be competitive just to join in. But it's, um, it's like I'm playing a character if I'm being competitive because I don't really care. Yeah. No, yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. And it's and it's crazy because we live in a world where we're all genetically born different, right? We're all wired to be made these special, unique snowflakes. And yet mm -hmm. we come out and, you know, we're doing our thing, being our authentic selves and people are shaming us for it or wanting us to be similar. Why aren't you like this person or that person? Where it's like, no, but I'm this snowflake. And it's like, you know, you can't win. So we come into this world special yeah. and people try to take it away. So good on you for keeping it. Thanks. All right. So to wrap up, we see Miranda has put in her own personal ad. And I wonder if they had this term at unicorn back in the 90s. Um, but she's on a date with a couple and they gush over Miranda when they see her saying that they're so relieved she's attractive. Um, this is the validation that Miranda has been looking for. And she clarifies with them, so you guys want to do a threesome with me? Yes, they say, if you're not busy. <laughs> and with that, Miranda says she needs to make a phone call and she quietly slips out the door. Personally, I wondered if she went there with the, like, 
open mind of possibly going through with the threesome. And then maybe with that validation, she realized that's exactly what she needed in the moment. She's like, actually, I don't actually need to go through with a threesome. I just wanted to feel desired. It sounds to me like, it sounds to me like she knew that she didn't want to have a threesome. It sounds to me like, you know, good for her. I'm glad that she got her validation, but it sounds to me like she totally used those people. And I'm not saying like, if you're going to go on a date with a couple, you got to fuck them, but like, (laughs) don't go on the date. Like, don't, don't tell people that you have one intention and then not have that intention whatsoever. Like she's so not committed to doing anything with anybody, but like she did kind of use them. And I, I would have felt shitty if I went on a date with someone and they just left. Yeah, yeah, that was that was not a good call. But yeah, I think she did not intend on doing the threesome. And all that was was validation. And she needed to reassure herself that she was attractive because her friends weren't doing that for her. And that's that's messed up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll never know. But thank you so much for being here, Danny. That was really fun. Thank you for your stories and your wisdom. And thanks for bringing us together. Thanks so much for having me. This was awesome. Yeah, it was so good to see you. Right on. Awesome. All right. See you guys next time. Later.